And that's where I got my first open mic in a, in a small pub, in like a corner of a small pub. There was no stage, just some light and a mic. And they're like, yeah, five minutes. Defeating those obstacles gives me that momentum to j- just keep going, to keep, to keep playing with the audience. You have, to have, you have to play with that. Nobody wants to accept their demons, but they're there. So uh, you have to befriend them in the end because they're a part of you. I signed up yeah. so I can be lazy and not work every day. <laughs> so now it's becoming a bit like you have to implement the job part of it. You're able to, to sacrifice a little bit of your comfort to pursue something bigger. Do it. It's, it's always good to, to do what is right, not what is easy. So always do what is right. Hey guys, and welcome back to the I Love Success podcast. I hope you've been with me before. Uh, and if you're not, let me give you a short introduction. My name is Peter Jumrukovsky. I study success. Uh, I dig deep in people's stories, the good and the bad, to give you ideas on how to make the best of your life. Uh, today, I'm actually super excited because I have a fellow Macedonian brother here and a big dreamer. Uh, His name is Vlad Illich. He moved to London about three years ago now to pursue his dream of becoming a stand-up comedian. And uh, it's going forward. Uh, He's on his way to, you know, become a great comedian, which, uh, you know, we all need more comedy in the world right now. And, And one thing that I think is super cool is the first two years you were in London, you did something like 160 open mics, right? Yeah, yeah, that's correct, yeah. Wow, that's almost, is at least one one a week and that shows commitment and, you know, going up uh, in, a, in a new city, new language and just being out there. And I think I'm a martial artist, but honestly, I think going up on stage and do stand-up comedy is probably one of the hardest things that you can do because it takes a lot of courage and... Uh, I think especially when you're new because you don't know how people are going to react to what you say. Obviously, you have been moving forward and you were recently featured on BBC and that's how I got connected. Shout out to Alex Crowley who <laughs> sent me this video one morning. I was like, shit, this is a funny guy. We got to have them on the show and um, just kind of share your story. So welcome Vlad Illich to the I Love Success podcast. Thank you very much, Peter. That was that was a lovely introduction. I, I mean, I haven't heard any better introduction than that, honestly. I think only my mom can introduce me better than that. So that, that, <laughs> that, that was pretty close. Um, yeah. yeah, the mom's introductions are the best, you know. They are always, like, even, even if you're a, a gangster or in prison, like, yeah, my son, he's doing so well, you know, he's, he's studying every day and he's taking, yeah, he's, he's been to community college and he's doing everything <laughs> he can. <laughs> no, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Big it up. Um, and I, I'm really happy you reached out to me. Uh, obviously there's, 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 a, there's a huge Macedonian diaspora all around the world. I think there's more Macedonians around the world right now than there is back home. Um, Probably. Yeah. yeah. So, so, and like you said, you know, moving to a big city like London was definitely a, a challenge in the beginning. 
But I'll, I'll tell you what, like during all those shows in the beginning, it definitely uh, felt easier in the beginning because you had I had nothing to lose in a way. So the, there's no pressure. Nobody knows you. And you're just trying to be funny. They announce you as this is this guy is his first gig. And he comes from, yeah. you know, um, the Balkans. And they're like, oh, yeah, I've been to Lithuania. You know, they have no <laughs> <laughs> logic whatsoever in there. So I, I would say it's 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 a bit more difficult now, kind, kind of trying to keep up with this new image of uh, yeah. being on, on BBC and whatnot, but definitely enjoying the ride so far, man. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So I want to go back to, you know, your early life. Do you remember when you were a kid or when, when did you ever start dreaming about being a comedian? Right. So I, I, I remember the first thing I watched was a YouTube clip of uh, Eddie Murphy. I think I was like 13, maybe, maybe 14. And uh, we had just discovered the internet. So that was a thing. Just set up. It was a, it was a dial-up. Remember the old connection when it was like a through yeah. the phone? <laughs> it took ages. We waited for two and a half hours for this seven-minute video to load of Eddie Murphy. I think it was Delirious or Raw. The one where yeah. he's in the orange suit. I don't remember which one it was. But that was like my first contact with stand-up comedy. And I saw it. And then obviously I saw his films. And I thought, wow, this is this is something I'd love to, you know, I'd love to get up on stage and talk about my life. And, you know, he talks about his family and 4th of July and all of that. And I, so I immediately had a connection with stand-up comedians who are like into storytelling, sort of. So uh jim jeffries as well and dave allen here who's like a veteran british comedian so i would say that was the first step towards it but i didn't really take it seriously by then i was still doing acting most of the time like like an amateur actor not like a not like a big not like a dicaprio type of acting it was more like <laughs> very low-key very like play the tree or the goat i was, I was one of those two things um, and then I moved to Malta. So it was a bit of a nomadic story for me. And that's where I got my first open mic, um, open mic gig in a, in a small pub, in like a corner of a small pub. There was no stage, just some light and a mic. And they're like, yeah, five minutes in Malta. That meant 20 minutes. Um, and that was my first show. And I fucking loved it. And I said, this is, this is what I can do this. So it all came from this mindset really it all came from a mindset of uh, i want to be a stand-up comedian first hmm. okay and I, i'm i'm curious because how going back to that first gig it it sounds like you're a pretty confident guy uh, and i think they, they've said people most people would rather die than speak in public uh so how did you like when you go up on stage or the, that first time how was your what were you thinking well, the thing is, I always kind of felt that I can use, I was really shy as a child. I mean, every child is shy, I suppose. But I felt that that's like, like I need to get out of my comfort zone. So th this is the thing. It was an attitude that I had that if, if like I had fear of something, then I had to go like and face it straight away. Like when I was younger, I used to have fear of bugs. So I used to go and touch bugs so I can get 
like accustomed to the insects or if you know jumping off of whatever 10 feet cliff into the sea if i'm scared of that i'll go do it on purpose just to kind of so when i discovered that after a few times on stage that i that i'm actually really shy i wanted to do it more so i can break away from that fear and so it was like a game at the beginning which later kind of turned into this whole love for the stage and I, I love the challenge of it because it happens every time. Every time before I go on stage, even though now it seems that though I look natural on stage, I shit myself every time before I go up there. So um, kind of uh, defeating those obstacles gives me that momentum to j just keep going, to keep, to keep playing with the audience. Yeah. I like that. And I mean, I competed for more than 10 years in karate and I had the same thing before every competition. It was like, yeah, felt like I'm going to shit my pants. And I think that's a good thing because it means that you care about what you do. Exactly. Uh, I, you, you probably noticed from your first gig and the 160th or 200th or whatever gig you're on right now that the feeling changes. Now you're more in the beginning, I was just afraid that I'm going to get my ass kicked. But the further it went, I was, I had more fear of not performing at my best level. Uh, ha have you seen that change as well? That's, that's quite a good observation, actually, Peter. Uh, because, yeah, the, the first, I would say, maybe even 50 shows was all about sort of conquering the fear of the stage and just being there and saying jokes. But then it became more about, okay... I'm familiar with the stage now. Let's play with the audience now. Let's let's see if I can improvise a bit more. Let's push this joke a bit further. And it's all about, you know, defeating that sort of self-doubt in your head that, oh, this isn't funny or people are not going to like me. And you kind of have to, you kind of have to build up this confidence through your material. So you kind of have to say, all right, this is, this has proven to be funny, just like the same way that in martial arts, you know a certain technique, I suppose. So you know it and you've got to use it and you've got to keep believing in it. And then once you master it, you can then sort of improvise and do all the big things that all the you see all the big comics do, where they just go on a on a riff for like half an hour and they still remain funny. And you're sitting there watching it. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can do that. And then you go out there tomorrow and you bomb. <laughs> like, like, <Yeah. laughs> and you go back and you study. And, and that's all about you have to fail. Just you have to keep failing. That's kind of the lesson of it. Yeah. And I mean, I think um, that's what makes a cool story as well, right? If, you, if it's easy, then anybody can do it. And... Uh, what was during these times of struggle and uh, what was the people back home telling you? Were you ever considering going back or like, what was your, your mindset? Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, there was, a, there was a few times where I was like, that's it. I'm packing my bags. I'm going. Um, but obviously my, you know, my parents, my friends were all really supportive. Um, uh, my mom's comments were always hilarious. Like, what can, what are you going to do back in Macedonia? There is nothing. There is nothing. You have to stay there. <laughs> <laughs> this, you know, typical Balkan woman is like, 
and uh, <laughs> also you know no pressure she's like i you can you send us some hundred pounds yeah, yeah okay <laughs> that's at the end of the pep talk um, but yes. no generally you know they were very kind of proud with me that i took that step and it, it was kind of it, it, i was humbled by them because you know they were telling me listen you did a lot already even if nothing happens at least you're one of the few people who said, you know what, I'm going to sacrifice everything and give it a shot. And that's more than enough. And, you know, I always had that option in mind. When I arrived in London, there was always a plan B. Listen, I'm going to give this two years and if it doesn't work out, it's fine. That it was just, I didn't love it, more, you know, enough for it, just not good enough. And I'll have to just deal with that, you know. You have to have you have to play with that. Nobody wants to accept their demons, but they're there. So you have to befriend them in the end because they're a part of you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you have um, a great mindset, and and I, I understood that you're a type of a book nerd. Did you learn this from books, or like how did you uh, get into this type of you know? You have an athlete's mindset in a way. I feel. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I have a huge uh, book lover. I really love, like, I really love Russian classics as well. Like, uh, I really love Dostoevsky and Chekhov. And uh, there is something, there's something really inspiring, especially, I think, in, in writers on the cusp of, on the end of the 19th, towards the beginning of the 20th century. Because, especially the Russians, because that's when these writers started building like Russian culture, modern Russian culture from scratch. And it's fascinating with, with, the, with the amount of tools that they had compared to today. They had nothing. And, and the amount of things they needed to, to go through to get to knowledge and to get something published and write it. It's so inspiring that it's almost like, in a sense, I feel that they, they are immortal. In, and they understood the fragility of life and they understood the very essentials that how important it is for your voice to be heard. And they, they understood the essence of, of human communication. And I, I always come back to that. Um, and I feel that that's a very flexible term. You know, you when you... When you talk, you don't always want to be heard because you don't want to be annoying. You only need to talk when you have something to say. And so for, for me, that was my comedy journey. I have something to say. And the moment that voice or feeling stops within me, I will stop performing comedy. And, and I'm okay with that because I feel that that's like a gift from life. And I'm going to use it for as long as it's there. Yeah, that's awesome. And I mean, that that voice and having something to say, uh, I think it's it's incredible. And and being a stand up comedian, I I I love stand up comedians because you have to be so honest and talk about your deepest fucking shit, <laughs> and yeah. and and make basically make fun of yourselves. And we all realize that we're, you know, we're not that cool, you know, because. I feel like most of us, we're walking around on this planet looking like we have, have all our shit together, but in reality, nobody does. 
and, and that's why I think it's so refreshing, especially when when stand-up comedians are have the courage to be totally transparent and honest. How has that journey been for you? Uh, do you fear opening up of who you really are and your biggest demons? Yeah. Well, they, you nailed it. This is a really good question. I think every comedian struggles with... Um, what level of transparency are they willing to show to the audience? Obviously, as any performer, you want to, you have to let the audience in. That's where once they have to believe your authenticity and that's where humor comes in, you know? Like in the words of, of Richard Pryor, he said, you know, tell the truth and the funny will come out. So there is some level of vulnerability that you're willing to show to the to the crowd. Now, what... I don't think you can choose how honest you can be, but you can choose which things to be honest about. You know what I mean? So if something really shitty happened to you in your childhood, maybe don't share that with us. Maybe it's not that funny. It's more like sad or it's more like a, but you know, but yeah. that time when, you know, you were, in high school and somebody put your pants down and now you've got a weird nickname because of that yeah please please let let, let us hear it if we can laugh at your expense why not i i think generally this is how comedians treat the audience when you go as an audience member uh, the comedian is just like a mirror to yourself right so everything the comedian says you laugh because you find it relatable. So basically, you laugh at the things that are the same that he says for you. So what, what, how, the more honest the comedian is, the more you can look into yourself. And so I think it's, it's hugely important. It's the most important thing to be transparent as a comedian. Every big successful comedian has that, yeah. That's awesome. And and what do you want to say to people, you know, maybe from Macedonia or some other country in the world? They're like, they're from a small town, just just like you. They, they seen something on YouTube that they really want to do, but there's no opportunity where they are. There's not a lot of, you know, support in that field but they have something, that burning desire in your heart, in, in their heart, just like you had. Like, what do you want to say to those people? Well, I, I, I would say that you owe it to your talent to, to, to do what's, what's fulfilling, what's good for you, and, and to fulfill your calling in life. And it's important to try and not regret it. And if, you know, sometimes if you have borders as a physical obstacle, make do with what you can to, if, if you really need to get somewhere, go there because you can always come back. I felt like I'm never going to leave home. And then suddenly I just packed up one day and left. And I mean, it's it's been an amazing journey. So please, if you think that you're able to to sacrifice a little bit of your comfort to pursue something bigger, do it. It's it's always good to to do what is right, not what is easy. So always do what is right. How did it feel that day when you were like with your bag and like, hey, I'm I'm leaving now? Oh, I was I was. Uh, if listen, if I spent one second looking back, 
I would have stayed. The it, at the moment I packed up, I was like, "This is it. I'm I'm gonna have to leave all of my past behind, and just blindly just step into the darkness." You know, it's like it's like being blindfolded and just walking. That's all it is, and it's like walking on clouds. Really, it's beautiful. It's inspiring, and it's gonna change you in a good way, in a better way. Unless you've borrowed a lot of money and then you don't know how to give them back to your cousin Igor, <laughs> then you're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, what what would you do if you were still in Macedonia? You think? As if if I didn't leave. I mean, what would you work with, and what would you like? What what would you pursue? As in, if I didn't leave at all, or if I came back. Yeah, now? if you didn't, if you didn't leave at all. Um, I'd probably be still stuck somewhere in my town, um, slightly depressed. I'd probably get gets like some some job in the local theater or something like that. I can really envision that happening. But um, I feel like I I would have um, kind of betrayed myself, you know, um, because everything fades away. You know what I mean? And especially if you don't build on it, relationships fade away. Because people don't build on 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 each other, and they don't trust each other, and they don't build on those feelings. So, yeah. every feeling that you get, or every desire that you have, the more you repeat it without doing it, the further you are from it away. So, let's say even for a simple thing, if you say tomorrow I'm going to do a hundred push-ups, and then at 3 p.m. you say no, I'll do them at seven, and then you say all right, I'll do them the next day, and so. You're you're literally falling away from your goal every single day for more and more, yeah. and you know once you start drifting, that's when you get into issues. Your you know you get into issues with your own mental health. Your confidence falls down, and you start retracting from making choices. So you literally start regressing as a person because you have less and less will. And finally, you will get to a point where you don't even understand how you came to this place. You 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 won't even remember that it all came from not following following your instincts and following your own free will. So always like check back with yourself, have that dialogue, and do it. If it offends somebody, doesn't matter. You know, you if you you're standing up for something, if you have to sacrifice, do it. Yeah, I mean. I love that. How how do you how do you deal with being away from family? It's it's really hard. It wasn't hard in the beginning, um, because you know, in the beginning you're like, ah, I'm not gonna miss you. You're just yeah, yeah it's just <laughs> it's you? just family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah thank God I'm leaving. Um, yeah, but I, as I grow older, I I'm starting to miss them more and more. And I think my I think my priorities. I think my values are sort of realigning now. I've, I've, I'm more attentive towards my family. My parents are getting a bit older, and so I, I'd really love to spend a bit more time with them. Um, I couldn't. I wanted to go there in March, and I couldn't. And it's, I mean, it's very like intense emotionally. So I try to try to talk to them at least. Uh, you have to nurture that side as well, you know. Um, it, it's It's like balancing plates, man. You've got to. You've got to. And if they really love you and they understand you, then you know they'll even when they're not, you know, feeling 
health-wise okay. They'll still pretend they're okay, so you don't have to worry when you're abroad. And and yeah. generally, they've been nothing but uh, but kind to me. Although every time I come back after two days, I'm like, ah, yeah, this is why this is why I'm abroad. <laughs> this is dad. Yeah. I don't know. I, I can't lend you money right now. Stop touching the chicken. <laughs> it's dead. And so yeah. yeah, it's it's something you you have to take into account. Yeah, I have I have one final question to you, Vlad, and then I'll let you go. I've had a great time. I'm glad we connected. Yeah. Hope to have a Arakia and a Pivo with you yeah. in the and so with in the some Ivar as well. <laughs> and some Ivar. Yeah. yeah. So what's the last thing you want to say to people that ha- are still here? You know, giving us one hour, it's pretty badass that people are here. And with, with today's attention span, you know, one hour is like two years, <laughs> I feel like. So thank you guys for still sticking with us and, and listening to, to Vlad's story, which is uh, remarkable, I, I think. Uh, what What's that final thing you want to say to the people that are here uh, listening? Uh, what can they do right now to, to get a little bit closer to their dreams? Um, the, well, I would say love yourself. Love yourself comes first. So... And practice that every day. You have to, and because the, that's the only way that you will will be able to accept your your fears, your doubts, and your defeats. Um, because your love for yourself will will prevail and will nurture your your failures. And once you do that, you'll become whole. And once you become whole, the only thing you need to do is convince other people, which is much easier once you have yourself so work on that and then once you have the emotional well-being in place uh, be flexible in your practical assessment of your goals so that's the second step but and remember that at your core you always have to you have to be almost like lava so you kind of have to expand and and you have to kind of be cold and, and hard at times and other people will will help help you get there uh, whether that's friends families or your sort of haters you know to your twitter haters or whatever <laughs> so pay attention to the signs pay attention to the, and keep keep threading along uh, but keep taking care of yourself all the way along and have perspective yeah Love that. And do, do you love yourself? And how do you how do you work to love love yourself? Like, what do you do? Yeah. So, like, that's why uh, we mentioned Rakia. That's where Rakia comes in yeah. the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> get a few shots in the morning, and everything's fine. And you're good. Yeah. <laughs> Put my uh, awesome. wife beater tank top on. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it is the process, right? Loving yourself is a process and we have to start by being kind to ourselves and, and not taking ourselves so serious, right? Yeah. Uh, it's... Oh, absolutely. Sometimes I take, yeah, I take my life so serious at times and then I then I think about it like, it's not that serious. Yeah. We're all, we're all going to be dead soon anyways. So just have some fun with it. Yeah, exactly. If you have that realistic perspective, you know that, oh, okay, so just laugh that's what i do i laugh at life 
and 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 life laughs back at me, and that's how we step. But like you, you mentioned it really well that you said it, it is a it is a process, um, loving yourself, and it doesn't. This is one thing that a lot of people come from. This love doesn't have to be a gentle thing. Like you can love the things fiercely, and you need to love things fiercely if you want them to work for you. You know, and this comes for any aspect in your life. You know, if you're in a relationship, you have to fight for your partner, even though there's nothing happening. You have to, like, you don't need to feel threatened to love somebody fiercely. So keep keep proving to yourself, and and be kind. You know, using some simple cognitive behavioral techniques as well into how you talk to yourself, the thoughts that pass in your head, assess them. You know, if if you're if you're not very confident about certain things, ask yourself why. Just take that time of the day, meditate for about two hours, and just figure out why you're being the way you're being. And then go and talk to your friend and get a different opinion on who you are. And then if you want, you have the power to imagine anything. You have the power to build a character trait that didn't exist in you before. And that is just only comes from love and persistence. So only you can do that. Nobody else. Boom. Mike Draft, uh, Vlad Illich, thank you so much uh, for your time. If people want to connect with you, see more of you, where can they find you? Thank you. So you guys can find me on uh, Instagram. That's at Vlad underscore Illich, I-L-I-C-H. Um, Twitter at and are you still on Tinder or not anymore? No, no, no. I had to. I had to close the profile. It got too. I had to close that account. Got too, okay. too hot and heavy. Um, okay. My grandma messaged me, so I couldn't really <laughs> <laughs> reply back. And Twitter, it's at Vlad Illich Comedy. So those are the two things. At Vlad Illich Comedy. Awesome. Thank you so much. And also, I forgot to add. I, I heard that you want to be a penguin in your next life. I love penguins as well. I. Yeah, they're the best. I think we'll save that conversation for next time. Thank you, everybody, for listening and watching our show. Super grateful to have you here. Uh, We have more than 200 episodes. I think this is 218. I'm so blessed. I've talked to incredible people from all over the world, comedians, actors, UFC champions, entrepreneurs, singer. I don't don't even know who they are anymore, but they're just amazing people fighting for their dream as should you, if you're still here, you know, use that fire and that burning desire to create something with your life. We want to hear from you. Uh, please let me know what you thought about this show. Share it with somebody that needs to hear this message. And, you know, go out and kick ass and talk to you soon. <laughs>